You are Locked On SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to your Locked On SEC Football Podcast. He is Chris Landry. I'm Dave Hooker. We've got a lot to get to on the podcast today, and we're certainly looking forward to that. Uh, As always, your weekday podcast will include a recruiting report. We'll look at Chris Braswell, a scouting spotlight, Derek Brown. He's pretty good. A film room where we'll talk about Gus Malzahn and his pivotal year at Auburn. So we get rolling here with Chris Landry of LandryFootball.com. And I'm Dave Hooker. So, Chris, the thing that stood out to me in the news cycle today to yesterday would be the fact that the NCAA is considering um, allowing athletes to make a profit off of their name, image, and likeness. In the SEC, this seems like it would help some schools more than others, the higher-profile schools. What do you think? Well, I think it would. I think what it does. And, you know, I think the NCAA needs to look at this very closely. They have a tendency to do things that with maybe one intention, and then you have all sorts of unintended consequences. For example, this transfer portal is becoming ridiculous, and there are not enough scholarships to go around. These kids, have, they're leaving, and they got no place to go, and it is becoming a, a, a cluster. I mean, it is really embarrassing. My fear is this. What this is going to do is just going to open the door for more cheating. Or in in listen, let's not be naive. Stuff goes on, okay. And it's it the NCAA has no enforcement body really. They can't. They have no investigative resources anymore. And so all this would do is create an avenue to funnel players' money. So big schools can say, all right, look, this is what we're gonna do. So. We got Dave Hooker, the really good linebacker, and what we're gonna do, you come to this school here, you can make an appearance at a at a, you know, Cadillac dealership and you you'll get, you know, ten thousand dollars for for just showing up and shaking hands, kissing a few babies, making a nice little talk, you know, doing whatever. It, it is it is a, a, a simple way to say, oh well, no, this is what he did. He he did this, that, and the other. Well, again, yes, there are certain programs that have, you know, more sugar daddies and sugar daddies with bigger bank accounts and are willing to spend it. Absolutely, it's going to create more of a haves and have nots, but it's going to create more of an issue. How do you organize it and set it up? For example, I think that we've gotten so far away in the media with saying these kids get nothing. We basically trained our young kids to think that education means nothing anymore because you have kids you're going to have to be putting them through college dave other people listening are going to have to do that as well and their student debt out the at the wazoo for a lot of we've got we've got presidents in this country or candidates in this country running on hey let's let's make education more affordable and whatnot and basically, we're basically saying to these student athletes that you're getting you're getting nothing. Are you kidding me? You're getting uh, in most in, in 200, 300, 400, even more hundred thousand dollars of scholarship money that you are getting a free education. And I think there are other things we can do for the athletes. I think they can 
increase like buying them clothes. So when they go, not just the standard issues that the T-shirts and stuff that the golf shirts that they wear to, you know, go speak to kids and whatnot. But, you know, I'm, you know, nice blazer and, you know, suits, whatever for trips. And I, I think you could do that. I think that they should pay for the the families to come to a game, put them up in a hotel, play a flight, pay gas money, whatever the case may be. I think they should do a better job where everybody should have top-notch nutrition centers and academic centers. And I think those are the things we need to be focused on. And if you want to increase the stipend to where you've got a little bit more walk-around money, you know, that's fine. But when you're starting to open the door to where, okay, we're going to pay a likeness. Well, then how is that going to resonate in the locker room? Okay, certain players are going to get it. They're going to get it here. But you know what? If I go to school A, I can get in the recruiting process, hey, we got a real sweetheart, you know, uh, marketing deal here. We can do that. And all of a sudden, you got a whole different entity. What do we want? with this. Do we want college athletics or we want pro athletics? I think we're getting further and further away. I know in other countries, they don't have college athletics. There's college, you know, sports teams and you go to college and then you play for, you know, Exxon or whatever. Is that what we're going to want? I mean, we grow up pointing to play for Tennessee and Alabama and LSU and Georgia and whatnot. I think we're, we need to be really careful because the people that make these decisions often don't think it through well enough. And I think that if a player has a great likeness and you can make money off of it, I think you take that money and you put it into a pool. I think you can incentivize players to stay in school more. Not only if you stay in school and get your education paid for, but if you stay in school for four years, guess what? We're going to incentivize by giving you a stipend post-graduation. You get a little bit more after you stay your third year, a little bit more after your fourth, after your senior. I think you can incentivize. Hey, now you got a little extra money. So, hey, you graduate. Here's what we're going to do for you. We're going to take your likeness. We're going to have it in a fund for you. And then upon your graduation, all, you know, something, then you, you maybe if you can regulate that and do that where it's not disruptive, where it's not something that is going to be, I think, used as a tool to cheat, uh, legalize cheating, I, I think that there's something to it. But I think people often throw out, pay them, pay them out. Oh, yeah, yeah, pay it. Sounds good. But nobody that ever says that ever really thinks this through and understands all the unintended consequences that come along with it. Well, and if you're in the locker room, too, and you're an offensive lineman and the quarterback's making a ton of money and you read about school X, the quarter, there's this feel good story about the quarterbacks giving money back to the offensive lineman. I'm going to be like, hey, you know, where, where do I get mine? You're not upright if I'm not doing my job. I, I love the point you bring up, too, uh, about a way to feed it back into the system. So interesting take for sure. Let's uh, whip around the SEC, Georgia. Alabama and uh, a ton of schools that are still uh, on the uh, certainly on the radar, Chris, as uh, you whip around with some scouting profiles. Love it. They're Landry football every day. 
Yeah, you know, Georgia, you know, of course, they lost all their receiving, a lot of their receiving talent. But keep an eye on the senior Tyler Simmons, who's progressing nicely this offseason. Um, well, he's going to get his real opportunity. He was arrested for disorderly conduct in March. But uh, assuming that he gets over that suspension, he could really help them out a lot. I mentioned this in my Alabama scouting profile on LandryFootball.com, but very rare that you go into Tuscaloosa, their football program. As a true freshman, early enrollee, no doubt, D.J. Dale, defensive tackle, he was one of the real stars of spring practice. He earned a place on the first-string unit, started in the spring game, and they don't like to talk it up and hype it out a whole lot, but this guy, 6'2", 323 pounds, has really got a chance to be a good player. Now, they're deep. This guy's going to add some depth. He might even start. Of course, Chris Steele, we've talked about Florida's issues transferring. He's going to Oregon. Of course, uh, Huntington Beach kid uh, out from California has uh, obviously a relationship with the, uh, Dante Williams there. So he's moving out to West and he's uh, transferred to Florida. The deep commitments continue for the class of 2021 for Florida. Don't know if there's any connection to this. I really don't know that it's fair to say, but five-star defensive end Bryce Langston is now also decommitted. So there's been a couple of that, uh, as we talked about in yesterday's podcast, something that uh, I don't know that it's a sound the alarm, but it's something they need to get a handle on a little bit because people are definitely using it against them. Some good news, hey, out in Nashville for Vanderbilt. They received a verbal commitment from four-star 2020 Juco corner Art Green. Really good-looking kid. One of the best junior college kids in the country. Boy, I can remember a long time ago talking to the uh, to the administration at Vanderbilt about certain junior college guys going in, and they were like, oh, not us at Vanderbilt. Are you kidding me? Junior college? Uh, they're doing it with great regularity now, Dave, and this is a good one. 6'2", 200-pound kid, Florida, Georgia, A&M, South Carolina, Many other high-profile schools were interested in him. This guy can com- should compete for a starting job. That's what you want junior college guys to do, um, you know, pretty early here. So it's going to be available in 2020. Good look and player, good get for the Commodores. Well, it doesn't sound right, junior college players at Vanderbilt, but he'll certainly <laughs> save some money <laughs> based on our earlier discussion uh, with the price of tuition there at Vandy. Recruiting report coming up, scouting spotlight, and the film room. So uh, stay tuned. More after this, you're locked on SEC Football Podcast with Chris Landry. I'm Dave Hooker. You are locked on SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. This Locked On SEC Football Podcast with Chris Landry. I'm Dave Hooker. We now go to a young man who has a very, very bright future defensive end out of St. Francis Academy in Baltimore, Maryland. It is Chris Braswell. What do you like about Chris, Chris? Well, this Alabama commitment, 6'3", 220, out of Baltimore, St. Francis Academy, uh, is really good-looking kid. He's uh, very, very lean and athletic. It's hard to believe he's 220. He carries it very well. He can play outside backer. I think he'll grow into a defensive end. He has got great first step quickness. I love his edge speed. I love his agility, his change of direction. He plays the game in, in a very instinctive fashion. Um, you know, he's athletic. He's long-limbed. Uh, he can really dip his shoulders and keep his balance and get to the quarterback. His change of direction, as I mentioned, is really good. Love his speed to the chase and pursuit. Um, I mean, he can just get up quickly into the backfield strong in the lower body, uh, like his hand usage, very quick, 
show some ability to work in coverage and get depth and width at the same times. He, he's got to improve his upper body strength. That's no question about that. But I think this guy's going to be a good edge player for Alabama as an outside backer, uh, maybe grow into a defensive end, but really good-looking player, committed to the Tide, five-star guy. Um, this guy's going to be very, very interesting to the class of 2020 for the Tide. Yep, and then our scouting spotlight, we take a look at a young man uh, called Derek Brown. Your thoughts on Brown? Well, I love Derek Brown. I'm on record saying that in the deep group of defensive class, uh, defensive lineman class that we had in this past draft, that he would have fared very well. He would have uh, would have would have been drafted pretty high, but he's going to probably even be drafted higher next year. We're talking potentially a top five pick. He's six five. He's three twenty five. He's a disruptive force in the middle. Um, I, you know, he's is a very impactful, long, strong. Former five-star prospect, really powerful, plays the run well, and he's got good power rush moves inside with very underrated quickness. So that quickness, sometimes those physical big power guys don't have the quickness and don't do not play with the leverage, so they lose some of their strength. Derek does a really good job of getting low and using that quickness and converting that quickness to even bigger power. So I think he's going to be a big-time defensive tackle prospect that's going to be a wreak havoc in the SEC this year and is going to be a talk, uh, one of the talks of the draft time next year uh, about this time. So Derek Brown is certainly one of the best players in college football as I see it heading into this year. I remember watching him play basketball, and I would say just a slightly tubby Zion Williamson almost. That's a slight exaggeration, but he was a special, special athlete. So coming up, we'll have the film room. Stay tuned. He's Chris Landry. I'm Dave Hooker. This is Locked on SEC Football Podcast. More after this. The film room. We talk Gus Malzahn and all. You are Locked on SEC Football, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. You're locked on the SEC football podcast. He's Chris Landry. I'm Dave Hooker. Gus Malzahn at Auburn with a very, very pivotal year, to to say the least, Chris. Yeah, you know, listen, we, we all know there was um, issues a couple of years ago. I mean, you go back to the famous game that ultimately was the final straw for Les Miles. Um, if we, we can kind of repackage that game and is and remember, it was kind of the loser go home. We thought the loser was going to be in trouble. It was less. He was fired the next day. Uh, but it was almost Gus, and I don't know if they would have fired him the next day if he had lost that game. But if you remember, LSU scored on the final play of that game, and then it was ruled it was after the clock. Uh, it, it expired, so Auburn wins it. Well, you you forward where Gus kind of survives and had a big win over Alabama a couple of years ago, and then last year had uh, the real just blow up against LSU at halftime. I just, you know, they they've really struggled in a couple of areas in terms of being able to finish out. Auburn under Gus has been the Jekyll High team, up and down. And what is it? They they've got good talent. They've got good players. There's no question about that offensively, it's always been about what can they get done offense. Gus knows what he wants to do offensively, and he's very good at running his offense. But his offense is very simplistic. It's a power spread. It's built on a quarterback having good run threat capability. And when he doesn't, and they try to work more of the passing game in, you know, you, you can't be a little bit pregnant, and you can't be a little bit of a power scheme, and then, yeah, we're also going to be really good in the passing game. 
they don't do enough to teach the passing game to be good enough in the passing game. So when they try to go to more of the passing game, it's not very productive. And so, you know, a lot of what they have to do is just get on the same page. And Gus has gone out and he's hired different coordinators. And now it's Dillingham and it's been uh, uh, Rhett Lashley. I mean, but, but in the end, I think it makes all the sense in the world for Gus to say, you know what? If my you, uh, you know what's on the line, I'm going to do what I do best. And I'm going to call the plays and I'm going to run it. And it makes sense. Divvy up some of the other game responsibilities to somebody else. And you run the offense and live or die based upon that. It's going to be real interesting to see how this plays out this year. As you look at this team, they, as we mentioned, one of them, and Derek Brown has got a, a really good looking, uh, it leads a really good looking defense that I think can be one of the better defenses in the country, not just the SEC. I think that they're going to be a little bit more complete at the running back position. Um, I, I think we're going to see uh, uh, an offensive line that is improved, and and it's just going to be a matter of what can they get out of the quarterback position. Um, it's going to really come down to it. Um, you know, Gatewood makes the most sense for the style of quarterback that runs his offense, but as they look, you know, with Bo Nix, I don't know how quickly they can get him up to speed. But I think the real key in this is, is Gus from the start. Now he's going to take control of this offense and he's going to run it. I think in the past, he's let the reins go and then pulled them back. I think the fact that he's all in and doing it his way, I don't know how successful it's going to be or not. But I like the fact that they're all in, at least the head coach is, and saying this is what we're doing, that's how we're going to do it, and we're going to live with the results. And I think it makes sense from a coaching standpoint. I just don't know if it's going to work to the success enough to, to well enough for him to keep his job. Uh, I think that remains to be seen. But if he can have a decent year, Dave, that contract extension he got when he kind of had that flirtation or at least alleged flirtation with Arkansas, that got him a big deal. I think Auburn, even with all the money that they're willing to spend, they'd love for him to have enough success to at least get him deeper into that contract because the buyout's still pretty steep. Yeah, it is steep. And it, it's been odd to me that Gus Malzahn has, has even given up the reins. He's such a, a great offensive coach and play caller. I wonder if there was pressure uh, from the, the university there. I, I'm not sure, but I, I don't know why he would ever give that up. I think there up. was. I think there was. I don't think there's any doubt there was. And because the offense that he called didn't work when he didn't have that style of quarterback. And that led to a problem. And so, all right, well, we're going to go and, you know, we're going to get a Jared Stidham. And we're going to get a guy that can fix the passing game. And then we can combine what Gus does in the passing game. Uh, it doesn't work. And, and I, think, I think you've got to you gotta be all in on something. And I think they're all in on this. And I don't know if it's going to work. It's probably going to be really good or really bad. I don't <laughs> think we'll see anything in between. But I, I think the issues are that they've been a little bit wishy-washy on what they want to do. And there has been a lot of pressure, meaning before the extension, hey, you're, if, if, if we don't get this fixed, if we don't get this offense improved, that's on you and you're going to get fired. This is what we need to do. And so he goes out and hires the flavor of the month, young coordinator that's going to quote-unquote fix the passing game. It just doesn't work that way. There's no quick fixes in football. No, you're right. That's your Locked on SEC football podcast. We'll be with you each and every weekday. He's Chris Landry. I'm Dave Hooker. We will talk to you tomorrow and uh, have a fantastic day.